So I thought, uh, I thought I'd bring a spring message this morning, a message that will cause us all to spring uh, and to jump for joy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We always bring happy mess- messages, don't we? Because God's a happy God and we are a happy people. And you know, the Bible is a happy book, uh, particularly for us who are born again. Praise God. Not so happy for the others, but uh, <laughs> happy for us. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Uh, if you haven't got an outline in your hand, raise up your hand and wave it around a little. And um, I just want to spend the remaining time that we have uh, here together in the Word this morning. And uh, uh, we have been speaking for a couple of weeks now uh, on uh, the new creation uh, that we all are, uh, if indeed we are born again. And uh, the title of this message is How to Walk in the Miracle of the New Creation. You know, every believer is a new creation, but not every believer walks out of the new creation. People still walk out of the old rather than out of the new. Uh, And the subtitle of this morning's message is Walking in Newness of Life. So let's just pray and commit our time to the Lord and ask God to speak to us. Praise God. Heavenly Father, this morning we once again commit this time to you. We commit ourselves to you. And we ask, Lord, that you speak to us. Lord, that you bring fresh revelation into each and every heart. We thank you, Lord, that our minds are being renewed. We thank you, Father, that our spirits are fed, that our faith is rising to new levels. We thank you, Lord God, that each and every one of us are trained and equipped to be walking in your kingdom in a way that it pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that's basically become our key scripture, our theme scripture for this series of messages uh, 5.17, it says, if anyone, uh, let me start again. It says, anyone who believes in Christ is a new creation. And because I asked last week and the week before, how many of you believe in Christ and hands go up? We're all new creations. All right. It says, the old is gone, the new has come. And we've said that the moment when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we become what the Bible calls born again. Um, uh, we become converted. Um, It says the old is gone, the new has come. Uh, And that lets us know that the old identity, the old person that we used to be is gone, the new has come. The record uh, of our sin has gone, Uh, it's wiped away. God has wiped our slate clean, so to speak, giving us a brand new start. I mean, how good is that? Uh, It says the new has come. We are now a new identity uh, or a new entity uh, with a new identity. How about that? We are a new entity with a new identity. Entity. Um, and, uh, and, and really the reality is that the miracle of the new creation is taking place in our spirit. The Bible says we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live inside of a body. Very important for us to understand. If we don't understand that basic truth, then much of the Bible, much of the New Testament will not properly make sense. Um, and so we are a brand new being uh, in our spirit in the invisible part of us. Um, and, uh, and that is also the eternal part of, part of us. We are certainly not a body. All right, we live in a body, but we are not a body. Uh, and, uh, and we're not a mind either. We have a mind, but we're not a mind. All right, we don't, when people run around, you don't see minds running around. We see we have people that have minds. Um, and of course, the whole area of... Uh, you know, sometimes uh, the whole era of psychology, uh, sort of uh, thinking that kind of that people are just minds, you know, uh, and they've just got 
feelings. Well, there is an eternal part to us, and that's the spirit, and that's the part that we are talking about. So with that, I want to launch out into Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Um, in fact, book of Romans, of course, is part of the writings of Paul. In fact, it's interesting that Peter, uh, in his letter, uh, in Second Peter, actually talked about to the people there, he says, you know, he says, some of the things he says that I'm explaining to you, he says, even my beloved brother Paul has already written to you about these things. He says, which some things are hard to understand. Um, and, uh, you know, some parts of the Bible are hard to understand. Um, and... Uh, and uh, some of the writings of Paul, uh, uh, and, and there's like aspects of it that are kind of difficult. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, my heart's stirring in this area of helping people to, 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 to understand difficult things, uh, you know, to make difficult things easy. Uh, and I want to do that this morning. And I always know where I'm starting out. I never know where I end up uh, in the end because we're just following the Spirit of God. We're working our way through the outline. And... Uh, you know, if it's just reading the outline, some of you have already read it. Um, and if that's all there was, we could already go home. But I believe that God wants to speak to us through the spoken word this morning. And faith is imparted, understanding is imparted, uh, and we can go to a new level. So here we go. Therefore, it says in verse uh, 4 of chapter 6, Therefore, we were buried with Christ through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know, once our old identity is gone, God expects the old lifestyle to be gone as well. <laughs> All right. He says the old identity is gone. God says, I want the old lifestyle to be gone too. Uh, God expects there a change in our lifestyle from old to new. God's taken out the old spirit that uh, uh, was on the inside of us, uh, the, old, the old us, if you like, nailed it to the cross together with Christ, giving us a brand new spirit. And now he says, I want you to walk in newness of life. Everybody say newness of life. All right. So that's basically Bible language for a new lifestyle. All right. And, you know, I've said this before, but if somebody claims to be a Christian, from any given moment forward, and if there's no change in lifestyle, I think it would be fair for us to question if they're really, truly a believer. Because if there's a brand new spirit on the inside of us, it will lead to a new lifestyle. Of course, much of it is... Uh, is uh, kind of dependent on us being a part of a, of a local church where there's other brothers and sisters that are helping us to, you know, lead the way into that new lifestyle, where there's the teaching and the preaching of the Word that helps us towards all of that, uh, where there is the renewing of the mind going on, uh, because people, many people, even after they're born again, still live out of their mind, still live out of their memory, still live out of their brokenness rather than out of the new creation. Uh, and, and, and so but God says, he says, I want you to be walking in newness of life. Romans chapter 7 verse 6 says the same thing. It says, now that we have been released from the law, uh, for we died to it and are no longer held captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law. Not in the old way. He says, the old ways is now gone, he says, uh, he says but in the new way of living in the spirit. Amen. Now, the Bible speaks here about the letter of the law. Uh, 
the law specifically is the law of Moses with all of its requirements, starting from circumcision to keeping all the special days, special feasts, uh, special food and dietary requirements, uh, onto the Ten Commandments, and the whole deal. It is a complete system. Um, and God says we are no longer, he says we've been released from the law, he says we've died to it, uh, we're no longer held captive by its power. Now, Paul, the apostle, who brought us the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, um, Mr. Book out. Uh, then on 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, uh, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Philemon, these are all the writings of Paul. And Paul spent much time describing what we are discussing here this morning from the old to the new. One example that Paul uses uh, was, he says, you know, he says, uh, when a, a man and a woman get married, he says, by law, the wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. In fact, it's found in Romans chapter 7, chapter 8. He says, she, she's married to him and bound to him by law as long as he lives. And as, as, of course, as long as she's alive. And then, she, then he says, but, but if the husband were to die, she's released from that law and she's free to marry another. And then he goes on to say, he says, uh, but, he says, the husband hasn't died. And he likens the law of Moses to be like the husband. He's still alive. He's still there. He says, but you, he says, you have died. And because you have died in Christ, you're now released from the law. You're no longer married to the law of Moses. You can now marry another. And the one that we're married to is Jesus Christ. And these are some of these concepts that when we read over that, it's like, how do you get your head around that? I mean, the man's a lawyer, for goodness sake. I mean, he's an expert. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. But to just get our head around what he's actually describing here. So he uses different examples and different ways to describe the old covenant and the new covenant. And, excuse me, and on he goes from there. And some of these things are a bit complex. But you know what? It's not like that we can't walk in the truth until we have sort of uh, drilled down into every layer of it. Because the Word of God is a little bit like when you peel an onion. You know, you get the skin off of this thing and everything, and you've got an onion right there. But you know, you peel a bit further, there's another layer, then there's another layer, and then there's another layer. And so it is with the Word of God. There's a kind of a layers and layers and layers of revelation. And so long as we're just walking in, in one or two layers, uh, and then we're trusting God for more layers to be revealed to us. There's like sort of layers and layers all the way down um, and I must say, having looked over this all over again, it's like I've just, I think I've peeled back another layer. I've just, I've just seen some things that I haven't seen before. And I've connected some dots that I haven't been able to connect before. Um, that sometimes people get that mistaken understanding. When somebody stands to, to, to preach or teach the Word of God with, with an anointing that comes from God, people have the mistaken understanding that the preacher understands everything. Well, well he doesn't. He doesn't understand everything. He's got to study. He's got to find the truths and lay it all out and lay it all together and so forth. And I mean, typically, uh, I understand what I'm preaching about. I'm not always current in every truth and in every facet of it. But uh, as I say, I've just peeled back another layer. I've just seen some things. Um, 
We have died in Christ. We no longer married to our whole old husband called the law of Moses. Now, of course, this is particularly relevant to people who have uh, are from Jewish background, but it is also relevant to us. Uh, even if people have not grown up in a church environment, people still got that thing of the Ten Commandments in the back of their mind, which, uh, you know, Ten Commandments are good, but, but just stay with me. I just want to show you some things. So God's telling us to start living out of the new creation out of our new spirit. God says, I've given you a new spirit. Start living out of that part. Don't live out of your memory. Don't live out of your past. Don't live out of your hurt and out of your brokenness and out of your rejection. God says, live out of the spirit, which is brand new. It has no history. It is brand new. And it is from God. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Uh, All things have become new. And all things are from God. (laughs) So last week we talked about the fact that we were made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ and in his sacrificial death on the cross instead of by keeping the Ten Commandments. Sometimes Christians misinterpret the situation completely and think that they can live any way they like because they say we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. You know the statement that we're no longer under the law, we're under grace is true. But that does not license us to just live any old way that we want to. God expects newness of life from us. And you know what? Uh, Ed Cole used to always say, things have not changed until they're changed. (laughs) Things haven't changed until they've changed. People say, well, I'm changing. Yeah, well, uh, well, it's not changed until it's changed. Well, yeah, but I want to change. And and Christians do, they want to change, but things have not changed until they are changed. And (laughs) so God says, God God says, live out of the out of the spirit. You see, even part of what we're doing here this morning, the teaching and the preaching of the word feeds our spirit so that our spirit can rise up. People feed their flesh all the time. You know, people feed, feed themselves on food. You know, we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks in between. And some of us might occasionally even have a, have a midnight snack, you know, like we just get an urge, you know, to have a little, little bit of food at midnight, you know, so we look well after the body. People feed their minds, you know, the people, people educate their mind, which is a good thing. People read and people, you know, like information, information, that's all good. You know, the mind gets bigger and bigger and there's a shriveled little up spirit on the inside of them that's not being fed and therefore is not able to exert its strength and to come forth. We had a man from Asia uh, come out many, many years ago to minister in New Zealand extensively up and down the country. Uh, We had him here in our church. We held some meetings. And and, and he says that one day God showed him a vision. Uh, He says, God showed me my spirit. 
that's before he came into these truths. Uh, he was born again. He was, a, he was a Christian. But he says, my spirit looked a little bit like a stick man. You know, when you draw a stick man, he says, it was that skinny. It looked like a stick man. He says, and God impressed upon my heart that I needed to feed my spirit and, and exercise my spirit so that, you know, from being a, <laughs> being a stick man. Um, and the man wasn't huge on the outside, you know. Like, but he says, he says, in my spirit, he says, I look like a little little stick man and and you know sometimes Christians are like like little stick man in their spirit because they're not feeding their spirit they're haphazard when it comes to attending church they're not reading their Bible they're not praying in the spirit and so forth and and there's all of these spiritual exercises that we can do to build up our spirit for me personally I know of no better way than to pray in tongues and to build up my spirit man amongst other things and uh, and uh, so what it does is uh, when I'm praying in the spirit spirit please note spirit when I'm praying in the spirit I'm praying out of my spirit not out of my mind and it makes me conscious that I am a spirit I'm not a mind Okay, and, and, and my spirit starts coming alive and God says, that's the part I want you to live out of. That's the part that's important. He says, that's the part that I've given you. He says, the mind, after we get born again, is still the same mind. But the Bible says the mind needs to be renewed and gradually... Gradually, God impresses the, you know, the truth of his word over our mind and kind of does away with the old thinking and new thinking gets established. And that's how transformation begins to happen. But he says, unless we feed our spirit and build it up, he says, God says, I want you to live out of it. But just wanting to alone is not enough. We need to be strong in our spirit so we can be stronger than our memories that want to hold us back. That we can rise up above our past, whatever that thing looked like. You see, the reality is that once we are born again, our past is taken care of. It's been wiped away. God says, the old is gone. Amen. The new has come. Hallelujah. So sometimes, uh, as I said, people misunderstand that scenario there and kind of say, well, we can live any way we like because the law, the law is no longer applicable to us. We are now under grace. Well, let me just give you a few facts quickly. And this is just repeating what we've already said. Uh, when it comes to our righteousness, to our right standing before God, we are not made righteous through keeping the Ten Commandments. All right, it can't be done. The Ten Commandments were never given to make us righteous or to give us right standing before God. Um, uh, secondly, we cannot earn righteousness and we don't deserve it. It can't be earned. You can't pay for it. You can't work for it. Um, it, it we don't even deserve it. It is a gift. The Bible speaks of the gift of righteousness and the very word gift means that it was given rather than earned. And then finally, it says, we were made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if we had more time, we would drill down into scriptures with every aspect of it. But you know, but here's how it works. Uh, God, says, uh, God says, I want to give you the gift of righteousness. And to receive it, God says, you need faith. But you haven't got faith. So I'll give you faith which is also a gift from God, so you can receive the gift of righteousness. I mean, it's amazing. It's like God's done everything. We've done nothing towards it except to receive and to just accept and to thank God for it. All right, so praise God for that. Um, so let's carry on then in Romans chapter 14, verse 15. It says, sin is no longer your master. 
Sin is no longer your master. Because while we've been married to the law, um, the law was our old husband. It always says guilty, guilty, guilty. Sinful, sinful, sinful. That's what the law does. It just points out sin in people's lives. He says, but you no longer, uh, sin is no longer your master. He says, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. You no longer live under the requirements to that. Why is that? Well, according to the example that Paul used of a husband and wife being married, uh, and by law they're tied together, but if one of them dies, he says, you, you're released from that law. You, you're free to marry a, a, a new person. The reality is when we got born again, the old part of us has died. And the new part of us is married to Jesus Christ. He's our new master. All right. He says, you're no longer under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So when people say that we're not under the law, but we're under grace, it's absolutely true. All right. Well, then, he goes on to say, uh, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? It's the very argument that people say, well, we're no longer under law. We're under grace. We can live any way we like. Well, Paul's asking that same question. Paul knew that people would make that statement. In fact, as I say, Paul, a genius, he like works his way through it. Romans chapter 1, chapter 2. Romans chapter 1 establishes that everybody's guilty. Chapter 2, he flows on and makes sure that he says guilty uh, with circumcision or guilty without circumcision. Romans chapter 3 says, okay, but there is a gift of righteousness available. And then on and on and on it goes from there. And as he works his way through it and presents one argument and one facet of it, he knows exactly when he says one thing, the people are going to ask that question and then in the very next verse he answers that very question that people will have so he works his way through these things it's like a lawyer that is in a court presenting his case and he's a very good one at that all right and then part of the part of the anointing to preach and teach the word of god you you know exactly when you make a certain statement from the word that people say yeah but but then what does that mean then and then a good preacher will then know how to answer that question so that people don't go away with more questions but they go away with answers (laughs) so does that mean that we can go on sinning And Paul makes an emphatic statement. He says, of course not. Of course not. Um, In one translation, he says, may it never be. So he's making a very definite statement. He says, no, he says, that's not what that means. Yes, he says, you're no longer under the law. And yes, you're under grace, but you don't carry on sinning. It's newness of life. That's how he's kind of built that, that phrase into it. He's speaking about newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, says the same thing. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? He's just got through telling us, and as I've even got time to get into all the scriptures. (laughs) In fact, if we were to read the book of Romans, I suspect we'd probably get bogged down a little bit along the way. Parts of it is very complex, I must say. Um, He's just told us that where sin abounds, Grace much more abounds. He's just told us that. He says, if where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. People talk about the depravity of humanity. But right in that place, God says, I've got more grace than what there is sin. 
People can avail themselves of more grace than what they're, they're in sin. People, sometimes people say, oh, these people are beyond salvation. No, 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 no. The more depravity you see, the more grace God has towards these people to get them out of whatever they're in and get them into a new lifestyle, get them born again. And then he comes up with this thing here. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace would increase? It's now the next argument. He says, if that's what we've just said, then people might say, well, then let's live in depravity, and then it just means that there's going to be that much more grace there. Uh, verse 2, he says, may it never be. <laughs> Back in another, no, he says, that's not what we're talking about. No, that's not the result of this argument here. He says, how shall he who died to sin still live in it? You've died to sin. You're no, no, no longer married to the law. You're no longer married to sin. He says, you've got a new husband. Right. And, uh, you know, once God's grace has set us free from the requirements of the law, it doesn't mean that we can carry on sinning as we've done before. Amen. God says, now that you have been made righteous, God has called us to newness of life. And here is the point. It's just repeating what we've already said. At the point of our surrender to Jesus, we receive a brand new spirit on the inside of us, like brand new. Not rehashed, not a makeover, not a uh, whatever all of these things might be called. He says, but no, a brand new spirit. It says, from that moment forward, God says, I want you to live out of that part because that part is from me. He says, that part is perfect. In your spirit, you are perfect. He says, there is no bad history there. Um, he says, there, there is no hurts in your spirit. There is no rejection in your spirit. There is no lies, no deception. He says, your spirit is perfect. Live out of that. Live out of that. Well, what do a lot of Christians do? They live out of their mind. Oh, but you don't understand what they've done to me. Oh, but you have no idea how badly they've treated me. Get over it. Get, move on with it. Live out of your spirit. Yeah, but I'm so hurt. Your spirit is not hurt. Your spirit is not hurt. Your feelings are hurt. But your feelings are not in your spirit. They're in your soul. <laughs> Praise God. I'm looking around. Some of you are more excited than others. I can see that. <laughs> so God wants us to live out of our brand new spirit uh, now that we are born again. In order to be born again, something had to die. And it was the old spirit that died, and then we were born again. It's the whole wording of born again. Born the first time, we had a spirit that came right down from Adam. It was a sinful spirit. Uh, it, it had death in it. It had the nature of the devil himself in it. God says, I've nailed that thing to the cross. When you got born again, he says, I've nailed that thing to the cross. You are now dead. And he says, and I've given you a brand new spirit. And Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
So live out of that spirit, God says. But you know what? The law of Moses, including the Ten Commandments, still don't come into it. He says, because our spirits, our born-again spirits, are not subject to the law anymore. Our spirits are subject to Jesus Christ and to the grace that is in him. You know, over the years now, there's one, one word that I am praying, that I'm confessing, that I'm meditating on, and it like it happens every, every day, um, and it's the word grace. <laughs> grace, grace. Grace, grace, grace. Grace, grace, grace. Now, there is a, there is a kind of a thrust around today, a teaching that makes me a little uncomfortable. It's kind of grace this and grace that. Uh, I'd rather stick with the Bible grace yeah. rather than the hearsay grace or what people say grace. I, I want to stick with the Bible grace. Amen. All right. Um, and so notice here, it, it says in, in John seven, uh, 1 verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, when, when Jewish people, you know, the Pharisees and these people, when they say, Moses says, what they're saying is the law of Moses says this. Because, but as soon as they Moses, they refer to the law. Because Moses, the, the law came through Moses. Right. Moses went up on the mountain on Mount Sinai with the people waiting down on the, on, on, the, on the valley floor. He went up there. He was gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And he came down and he came back with the law, with the whole system of it. But Jesus came and he replaced Moses. Moses is important. But Moses has been replaced. (laughs) Jesus brought grace and truth, which superseded the law of Moses with its requirements. You know, sometimes in some Christian circles, there is this uh, thrust to kind of participate in certain special days and dietary requirements according to the law of Moses and this and that and the other. It seems to me that these people haven't read the New Testament. Moses is dead. Moses has been replaced. And the law of Moses has been superseded. And it's been superseded with grace and with truth. Now, don't run away now because we haven't finished. That's not, that's actually not the truth. That's only a truth. (laughs) We haven't got that truth until we got the whole package. And sometimes people run, run off with part of the truth. And sort of get off into some area where that's just, you know, where it gets a bit scary. So let's stay with the program. Let me just carry on reading here. Um, You know, Moses, um, it's like um, Moses, when Jesus came, it's like Moses, move over. Jesus says, I'm here. Hallelujah. Amen. He he says, uh, in fact, Jesus used the example of the old wineskin and the new wineskin. And, uh, and it's like he's bringing, us, he's bringing us new wine. The old wineskin has got a bit rigid, a bit brittle. 
but people still say, oh, if I, you know, drink the, the new wine or the old one, I still like the old one. But actually, actually, God says the, the, the old wineskin is gone. Put it aside, retire it, put it to rest. Um, and we got a new wineskin now. We got a new covenant now. Um, we got a new leader. And his name is Jesus Christ. So Galatians chapter 3 verse 24. Still Paul speaking. Therefore the law. What law is that? Well, it's the law of Moses. The whole system of it. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came. So that we might, we might be justified by faith. You see, when Christ came, we're justified by faith. Receiving what God has already done for us. Old Testament, trying to be justified by the law, by the keeping of the law, but it couldn't be done. Um, the law was our disciplinarian. Uh, the Greek word there speaks about a pedagogue, uh, which is basically, you know, and sometimes people who are, who are teachers in the Greek, they're pedagogues. They're like the people that, that teach and that hold, that have got care of somebody that they're teaching and training and guarding over. Uh, one translation says that the law was like a tutor. He says, until Christ came. And the key word is until. You know, when I, when, I say, when I say, I lie in bed until I get up. And when I got up, I'm no longer in bed. Why? Because the word until tells us that that time of having, having lain in bed, is, I'm now up. And he says, he says the, the law was your disciplinarian, your tutor, your teacher, your guardian until Christ came. So meaning the law, it's, it's not gone. That, that teacher, that tutor is now gone. You see, we should be reading more the New Testament than we should be reading the Old Testament. Though it's good to read the Old Testament, don't get me wrong, but we should focus and major on the New. All right? Uh, and when we read the Old Testament, we need to read it in the light of the New. Sometimes, you know, people get read the Old Testament and stay out of the New, and they get stuck somewhere in the book of Jeremiah, and some of that is very heavy, <laughs> and, and people get depressed, and people get more depressed. It's like, you know, the New Testament is much happier. I tell you, I just <laughs> spend more time in the New Testament than what you do in the Old Testament. Um, and uh, so here we go. Um, he says, the, the law was your disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. Amen. All right. He says, now that faith has come. See, we are justified by faith. We are made righteous by faith. Yeah. Not by keeping the system of the old law. He says, that law was a disciplinarian, you kind of train us, teach us, uh, you know, look after us until Christ came. But now that Christ has come, we can retire the old. He says, uh, he says we're no longer subject to, to, to the, the old disciplinarian. You see, we don't become born again uh, by keeping the law of Moses. We are born again by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there's an interesting analogy um, in regards to Moses and the Israelites coming out of Egypt. 
God spoke to Moses out in the wilderness. He says, Moses, I want you to go and set my people free. I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And of course, Exodus chapter 1, chapter 2, a bit of an argument going on. Moses, I'm the wrong man. I can't speak. You know, I can totally relate to some of that. I had the same argument with God. I can't speak. I got an accent. You know, I'm, English is my second language. You know, God says, get over it and get on with the job. All right. Don't make excuses. <laughs> Don't make excuses. So Moses goes into Egypt. Uh, he confronts Pharaoh, says, Pharaoh, uh, God says, let my people go. Yeah. And through a series of circumstances and judgment coming on Egypt, Moses leads the people out uh, of Egypt, and he brings them to Mount Sinai, gives them the law, or brings the law, and then brings them to the edge of the promised land. Now, here is the point. Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan that enslaves people. The promised land is a type of the Christian life. Type of. It's not the real thing, but in typology, it is a type of. Moses represents the law. And here is the key. God says to Moses, Moses, you can bring the people out of Egypt... You can bring them through the wilderness. You can bring them to the edge of the promised land. But you're not allowed to go into the promised land. The thought is keep the law of Moses out of the Christian life. Keep the law of Moses, the whole system, starting with circumcision, with special food laws, dietary laws, clothing, uh, just the whole deal. God says keep that out because we know the story. Um, um, God says to Moses uh, at the edge of the promised land, Moses, your time has come. In fact, there was something else going on that, you know, an analogy is only good so far. And we, we drill down into the details and it falls down. But Moses uh, had done wrong. He had smacked the rock when God told him to point to it so that water came out. And God says, he says, God says, no, he says, you're not allowed into the promised land. I'm going to get somebody else to lead the people into the promised land. And that somebody else was Joshua. So that's the whole point here. The thought is keep the law of Moses out of the Christian life. There is an analogy there that points in it. See, the Bible says that, that the law was like a tutor to bring us to Christ. But the law can't get us born again. It brings us right to the edge, but that, that's where the law no longer has the capability. Here's another interesting thought. You get in amongst... Uh, Amongst Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, they don't say Jesus, they say Yeshua. And, uh, and Jesus is actually called Joshua. And there's a, a number of things going on that with translations across from this and that and the other. Um, and, and I can't explain it. In fact, I read some of that last night and it's like left me like, you know, it's all to do with the lettering of the Hebrew uh, over into the Greek and then to anglicize things. And so we ended up with Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus' name is not the real name. <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that, uh, that Jesus 
if he had lived under the Old Testament, under Hebrew, he would have been called Yeshua. Moses brought the people to the edge of the promised land, and then Yeshua, Joshua, the son of Nun, led him on into the promised land. See, the law brings us to the edge of the Christian life, but only Yeshua, Jesus Christ, can save us. And only faith in Him. You know, sometimes you get amongst people where like, you know, it's like, uh, oh, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, I've always been a Christian. Okay. Okay. I was born a Christian. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And, 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 and do you think you go to heaven? Oh, absolutely. I'm not doing anything wrong, you know. You know, immediately you, kn you know that they're not born again. They're still relying on the law, right. on the keeping of the law, the keeping of the Ten Commandments, which is commendable. But you know what? And we haven't got time to get into it, but the Bible says that the law is not made for righteous people. The law is made for sinners. Right. The law is made for, for thieves, for murderers, for perjurers. It's, the, the law is made for all of these people. But we are the righteous. Amen. Praise God. Okay, now don't run away now because we haven't finished yet. <laughs> finished yet. Praise God. As I said, one day I had that revelation. I told you last week, you know, it's this Catholic boy that grew up under the law, under the Ten Commandments, and like that was like strong when, when we grew up. As in, you know, the priest, uh, we had him in church, we had him in school, like he's a good man. You know, he's a good man, but man, boss, he's staunch. He is a staunch man. And, uh, and, and, uh, and so one day I'm kind of reading the word, and I'm, I'm reading all of that, and I think Moses and the law was not allowed, you know, Moses wasn't allowed into the promised land. And suddenly it dawned on me, God says, keep the law out of the Christian life. It doesn't help people. The law produces guilt. The law produces condemnation. The law produces, the law beats people down. Grace lifts people up. Moses always condemns people. Jesus always uh, comes to set the captives free. Yeah. Um, in fact, back and forth, we could go back and forth. And I mean, Paul in Galatians talks about the two covenants. He says, one covenant is of the old. It says of Hagar, the bondwoman. The other covenant is of the son of promise, Isaac. He says, we're of Isaac. Yeah. Just all the way through. And as I say, to connect the dots is quite a deal, I must say. But we got a few layers. And praise God, let's walk in the layers of, what, of revelation that we have. So, Galatians 5.13, Amplified Translation, But you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Now, I just told us that uh, the Old Testament, the old law is bondage. He says, you've been called to freedom. He says, uh, only do not let your freedom to be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. So it's like you said before, look, it says, yes, we're no longer under the law or its requirements, but that doesn't mean that you can carry on sinning. It says, don't use your, the, the, your liberty uh, from the law, from the whole system, from the Ten Commandments. Don't use that as a, as a, as a license for the flesh. 
you know, the flesh is the old, the old nature to the old aggro, the old, you know, the old retaliate, revenge. You know, don't, don't, don't do that, he says. But through love, you should serve one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is complied with in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. And the whole argument, it's like the circle is starting to close. Paul, in his whole argument, says, look, he says, the law is no longer applicable to you, the law of Moses, with all of its systems, all of its requirements, no longer, but that doesn't mean to say that you are without law. He says, you have a new law, and that law is called the law of love. Amen. It says, through love, serve one another. Hallelujah. The whole law of Moses is complied with in one law or in one precept. He says, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. God. You know, it's God even knows that we're struggling with memory sometimes. Like if somebody were to ask me to rattle off the whole of the Ten Commandments, I probably couldn't do it. I'd probably leave one or two out. Uh, I, I might scratch my head for a while. I might partially get there, but not fully get there. But God knows we can remember two things. <laughs> okay. Everybody say two things. <laughs> okay. Not ten things, but two things. And those two things, that's the new law of the New Testament. The law is number one, love God, and number two, love people. What the Bible calls the royal law of love. Yes, you're no longer under the law of Moses with its requirements, but that's not to say that you're without law. You now have a new law. It is the law of love. It says, through love, serve one another. All right? So God hasn't called us to live under the law of Moses. God's called us to live under a new law, and that law is called the law of love. Romans chapter 10, verse 8, he says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. We have a constant debt towards other people, and that's the debt of love. We, we owe other people to love them. That's what, that's what the law of love says. You, you owe other people. People say, oh, I'm not interested in so-and-so. Well, we, we owe them the debt of love. He says, don't owe no man anything in terms of, you know, he's talking about taxes and so forth. He says, don't, don't, don't owe anything. You pay your stuff. He says, but, he says, he says uh, um, except through, through, to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Amen. For the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. That's part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. That's part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal. That's part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not bear false witness. That's part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet. That's part of the Ten Commandments. And if there's any other commandment, you see, he's, he, he can't remember them all. Paul's struggling now with his memory. And if there's any other commandment, all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We are called to a higher law than the law of Moses, including the Ten Commandments. Amen. If you remember those two things, 
all these others will just click into place. They are fulfilled. Because love doesn't steal from anybody. Love doesn't murder anybody. Love doesn't, you know, cover. You know, you see, there's a higher law. And Jesus taught it as part of the, his teaching, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, in the Old Testament, it says, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says, it has been said, you shall not commit adultery. He's quoting Moses. But I say to you, you even look at another woman to lust after her. See, you've already broken that law. Yeah. That's right. if, if really we, we're locking ourselves down at the level of the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. In very broad terms, the old covenant is marked by the law of Moses. The new covenant is marked by the law of love. The old covenant is law, law. The new covenant is grace, grace. Receiving grace and giving grace. Receive grace and give grace. Receive grace and give grace. The way that we give grace means is the way that we receive grace. Jesus said, you don't forgive people, says you will not be forgiven yourself. Because with the same measure that you use in dishing out to other people, it's going to be the same measure that is used in giving to you. You holding out on people, then it'll be held out against you. You know, there's that whole concept there that people don't understand. I've said last week that sometimes people got a late faith, or people got a slow faith, or people just, you know, just sometimes, people just sometimes uh, are not still living out of the new. They're living out of the old. The newness of life spoken about, as we're starting to close the circle now, the newness of life spoken about in the first scripture that we read in Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 4, relates to walking in love. Love is the law of the new covenant. Love is the law of grace. Giving grace, receiving grace. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, he says, Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. You see, our born-again spirit, as we've said before, it is not subject to the law of Moses and its requirements, but it is subject to the law and to the commandment of love. We must fulfill that commandment, number one, to love God, number two, to love people. Second John, and we're getting ready to wrap up now, Second John 5. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. That's such a simple thing to remember. Two commandments. We don't have to wrestle with ten. Just remember two. And don't just remember them, but live them out. Okay? (laughs) He says, let me remind you, he says, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one that we've had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. You know, sometimes people concern themselves with the Ten Commandments. So I'm stolen or I've not, not stolen. I've 
done this or have not done this and everything. But you know what? Every step out of love is a step into sin. The love walk. The love walk is like a footpath that is laid out. We're walking in love towards all people. So as soon as we step off that footpath of love and we get into unforgiveness and need to have revenge or we get all stroppy and all, all sort of out of sorts and what have you, it's already a step into sin. Because right. love forgives. Amen. Love does not remember evil's done That's to right. it. Right. Is it 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter? What does love look like? Mm. Well, it's described in detail like right there. Let me say it again. Every step out of love is a step into sin. And people sometimes don't know this. They still pride themselves in keeping the Ten Commandments, but they're no longer applicable because we've got a higher law, and people have broken the higher law, and they're still quite smugging themselves uh, with a kind of a sense of self-righteousness because they're, they're still keeping the Ten Commandments, but they've broken the law of love. So let me say it again. Every step out of love is a step into sin because that's the only two commandments now that are applicable to us today. First John chapter 3, verse 10. So now we can tell who is a child of God and who belongs to Satan. Now, how many know that he's about to get real heavy? Like he's now nailing it. It's like, okay, these are the people of God and these are the people of the devil. He's now getting like really heavy. He says, whoever is living a life of sin and doesn't love his brother shows that he's not in God's family. People say, oh, yeah, but they still go to church. Yeah, but the yeah. People can go to church. Yeah, How do you know that going to church doesn't get us to heaven? Mm, it's been born again that gets us to heaven. Hallelujah. Having our name on the church roll doesn't, doesn't put us on heaven's roll. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever is living a life of sin, well, what might that look like? People think, oh, surely those people that are, you know, robbing banks and doing all of these horrible things. No, 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 no. Whoever steps out of love is living a life of sin. It's pretty strong. Have you forgiven everybody? How are you doing with the commandment of love? How are we getting on? Do we love all people? Oh, somebody says, I love most. We haven't got time. But John goes on. He says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. You hate people, God calls you a murderer. It's, he's really nailing it now. I mean, this is now no longer gentle and lovely. This is like poof, you know, like poof. <laughs> First John chapter 2, verse 10, those who love their brothers... And sisters are living in the light. There's nothing in them that makes them fall into sin. So long as we walk in love, there's no sin in our lives. None. People say, how long can you go without sinning? People say, oh, I'm just a sinner. You're not saved by grace. Well, no, 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 no. We're not sinners saved by grace. We can, we can live without sin for a long time, people think, oh, I'll make it two, three days, and then I'll fall. You know, I'll do this wrong, I'll do that wrong. Well, actually, we can live without sin for a long time. And we live without sin until 
we stop loving yeah. a, a person. It's just one. Uh, just, you know, it doesn't mean that we've got to hate the whole world. Just one. And we have stepped off the footpath of love. We're no longer walking in love. We are now in sin and will be until we forgive and we move back into love again. So to enable us, final scripture, to enable us to fulfill the commandment of love, God has filled our born-again spirit with his love. God knows, he says, that human love will run dry at a certain point, like pretty quick. Human love loves others so long as others love it. When others stop loving it, human love gets droppy like real quick. (laughs) Gets out of sorts like real quick. And then selfishness kicks in and then the need for revenge and the need, you know, for this and for that. Uh, And in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, God has poured out His love. Circle the word His. God has poured His love. That is the agape love of God. That is the selfless, unconditional love that God has poured into our hearts, he says. He gave us His love through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. Final question, where does the Holy Spirit live in the born-again believer? He lives in our spirit, specifically. He lives in our spirit. And if we are to love all people with the love of God, we need to operate out of that new spirit rather than out of the mind or out of our emotions, out of our hurts, out of our rejects and out of our rejection and out of all of this stuff that many people are struggling with and wrestling with. It's all at this lower level. Certain things can never be reconciled. People try to reconcile the past. Certain things can never be reconciled. And we know things are not fair. People say, it's not, it wasn't fair. Nobody's saying it's fair. You know, Jesus drew a line in the sand. He says, that's the law, that's the old life. Moses brought us right to the edge. Jesus saved us. And, and, and Jesus says, don't go back past that line. Don't go back into old hurts. And, it, and of course, we understand, you know, emotions are real. You know, there is a healing required. There's a renewing of the mind. We might get into that and focus on that a bit more in future sessions. But for now, God says, newness of life. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Father, God, we commit to you uh, ourselves. And thank you, Father, for speaking to us for instructing us, giving us insight and revelation. Layers upon layers upon layers. Lord, uh, the saints of God, all at different levels of growth, but every one of us can understand that uh, we're not saved by works, but we are saved by grace and by faith in Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you've made us brand new on the inside that you said that all things have passed away and all things have become new, that we are brand new beings in our spirit. And Lord, we commit this morning to live out of that spirit, to love all people, to forgive everybody, to let go of all the hurts, all the disappointments, all the letdowns, all the disasters, all the scenarios where things have gone wrong, we let it all go in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord God, that all things are new and all things are of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord God, that even right now as we speak, that there's a healing going on, a healing of the broken hearts, that there's a healing of the memories going on as we operate out of the new. It will no longer hold us in bondage. We're no longer in bondage to the old, no longer in bondage to the law, no longer in bondage to Moses. We have been brought into the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shout grace, grace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that you've never made the step on into the born-again Christian life, that you've known about the Ten Commandments, you've, you've kind of found yourself in the wilderness, uh, and you, you, might have, you might have come away from Egypt, so to speak, and you're not living the, uh, an evil life, so to speak, that uh, you know, you're not fully serving the devil, but you're also not fully serving Jesus, kind of in between. You know, Jesus hasn't called us to religion. He's called us to a relationship with him. And I wonder if anybody here this morning that needs to start a new relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm specifically inviting people that have never done so before, that you want to start a living relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to step over that line. You want the old to be gone. You want all your sins forgiven. You want to make sure that will ultimately that you'll end up in heaven. And Jesus will do that if you commit your life to him. Who would say this morning, I need to commit my life? Then please just briefly raise up your hand and put it back down just in this quietness of this moment. Uh, I invite you on the count to three to raise up your hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Uh, how many of you would say, I, I, I need to do that this morning? I've known about the, the commandments. I've known about religion. I've even been in and around church for a while, but somehow I'm not truly born again, but I need to be. Who, who else would say, I, I, I need to raise up my hand on the count to three? God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Is there anybody else? You're like, this is the defining moment now. This is like, we've said all of that to say this. If we don't put action with our faith, the Bible says we are self-deceived. We've heard everything, but we, res we responded with nothing. We, we made no decision. Hell is filled with people that have made no decision. But heaven is filled with people that made a decision to surrender their life to Jesus and to serve him for the rest of their days. One final call, I'm looking like right around. Uh, I'm about to pray a prayer, and I just need to know whom to include in this prayer. Praise God. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what we do from time to time? In fact, we do this quite often. Uh, we all say the prayer together. You know, there's two reasons for that. Like, we don't want to, like, embarrass anybody. But let me tell you that if you're praying this prayer for the first time, this is the most important day of your life. You're stepping out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Then we want to help you by praying out aloud. And it also means that for some of us that have prayed this prayer like dozens of times, it never hurts us to pray it again because we're not praying it for us. We're helping you to pray. And then thirdly, if you wanted to raise up your hand, but you didn't do so, if you, if you pray this prayer, you'll still be included. Jesus will still see your heart. And, and he will still save you this morning. And he will still forgive you. And you will still end up your heaven if you pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Let's all stand to our feet together. Praise God. Let's do that quickly now. I want everybody praying out aloud. Like everybody's a heavenly father. In Jesus' name. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. To pay for my sins, for things that I've done wrong. 
I recognize that I've done things wrong. I have broken the law. But I thank you, Lord, that you're ready to forgive me now as I surrender my life to Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me born again. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that you helped me to live for you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, I'd love to meet with you.